Good morning, everyone, and welcome to church wherever you are, whether you're a member of McCracken or Beaver congregations, or just listening in, you're most welcome as we join today to worship God on this first Sunday after Easter. Many of you have been keeping up to date with goings-on in church from our website, which is www.mccrackenchurch.com, and from our Facebook page, which is McCracken Memorial Facebook page, uh, we've also been sending out information via email. If you haven't been receiving that, then we likely haven't got an update, up-to-date email address for you. So to be included, please let Laura, our secretary, know on the church office email or, or let me know at the manse. For any children, Sunday school materials are included as well in those emails uh, to keep you busy. And uh, for all others, you'll also find that we now have a McCracken Times weekly newsletter where you can share your stories and your encouragements and let us know what you're up to during the lockdown. But let us now come to worship God. And as we come to worship today, let's make this time a special time for God to meet with us and for us to meet with God. Let's find a quiet place in our homes, in our day. Maybe that means closing the door turning off the phones, turning our minds away from the news and other distractions. And let's remind ourselves that we're, we're not alone, that God is with us by his Spirit. Our risen Lord is with us and we are his church, united together by the bond of his Spirit. Psalm 103 begins, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, remind us that Jesus shall reign wherever the Son does his successive journeys run. His kingdom stretch from shore to shore till suns shall rise and set no more. Lord of all the earth, in this moment of global pandemic, our horizons are suddenly expanded. Hard borders on the island of Ireland Trade borders in the Irish Sea, building bridges to Scotland, seem so much less important when politics is paralysed and retail has receded. All our insular red lines are increasingly fading to pink. Suddenly, we're interested in what's happening in Italy, keen to learn from the experiences of countries like China, Lord, impress upon us in these days what uh, it really means to be global disciples, part of a bigger church and world, called to live with love locally to those from whom we're socially distanced, but also to pray with passion for those from whom we are spatially distanced and will never meet. Lord, we confess to you our sins our fears and our doubts. We confess to you our selfishness, our irritability and hurtful words. 
Forgive our sins, we pray. Renew us with your Holy Spirit, bringing us close again to you and to one another. Fill our hearts with compassion, patience, love and grace for those in our homes, our family members living apart from us, our neighbours far and near, for peoples of every nation, tribe and tongue. In the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever and ever. Amen. Our Bible reading today is taken from the Gospel of John, John chapter 20, and we're reading verses 19 through to 31. John 20 and 19 to 31. Let us hear the word of God. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they're not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand, and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. May God bless to us this reading of his word. These days of lockdown are especially frustrating, I think, for young people and teenagers. We, of course, have two teenagers in our house. And when you're at that age, even a month seems like such a big part of your life. There's so much that you want to be doing, so much pent-up energy 
with the world out there waiting to be explored and enjoyed. Uh, and you need that interaction of friends, your own age and the routine and the direction of school. Since the, the invention of social media, a whole new vocabulary of abbreviated words has arisen. And one of those terms which is perhaps especially, especially relevant at the moment is the term FOMO. F-O-M-O stands for fear of missing out. And for young people, especially at the moment, there can be a feeling, a fear that they're missing out. That your friends are doing far more exciting, interesting things that you're not. Which actually isn't true at this moment when we're all in lockdown together. But that feeling of missing out as life passes you by is real. When Jesus appears after his resurrection to his disciples who are fearfully hiding behind locked doors, there is one who is absent. Thomas. Can you just imagine Thomas coming back from wherever he was, entering that room, sensing instantly that the disciples' mood had changed as they started excitedly telling him what he'd missed out on. What he so desperately wished he could have been part of himself. Jesus was here, they said. He came and he stood among us. It was him. We saw his wounds, the nail marks, his side, the stripes on his back. And he said to us, peace be with you. We've seen the Lord, Thomas. And this passage in John's Gospel really gives us the sense that it wasn't just what Thomas wanted to have witnessed for himself, but it was what Thomas so much needed for himself. He needed to see, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nail marks were, where the nails were, and put my hands into his side, I will not believe it, he says. So where had Thomas been? It clearly wasn't a matter of absent-mindedness or some careless mistake that he hadn't been there with his friends when Jesus showed up? What caused Thomas to be out there in the danger while all the other disciples were cowering in fear behind locked doors? Could it possibly be that Thomas, upon hearing those early reports from the woman that Jesus was risen, as Jesus himself had promised, could it be that he was out there looking for him? If he's alive, I'm going to find him. Because maybe that's the kind of person that Thomas was. Now, of course, we're only surmising. He may just have been out getting some groceries or running an errand. But it does tally with what we know about Thomas. A man who asked questions. A man who needed to know a man who was fearless to go where others dared not to venture. Indeed, somebody not always befitting the rather negative description that we sometimes give to him, Doubting Thomas. I think we need to dig a little deeper. We need to think a little deeper in order to see that there's so much more to this man than that. When Jesus appeared to the other disciples in the room, 
where they had been staying, locked away and afraid. Uh, it could well have been something even more terrifying to them when, when he appeared before them out of nowhere. But he greeted them with those very important words. Peace be with you. Comforting words, calming, reassuring words at a time of real fear for them. And the disciples, upon hearing those words, are probably saying to themselves, Hold on, when had we last heard those words before? Of course, now we remember it was when Jesus took time with us to give his very eloquent and very intimate farewell speech to us. My peace I give to you. John chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going, he says. And then someone interrupts. Somebody cuts in to this lovely, eloquent speech with a question. Thomas. Well, actually, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? We don't know the way. That's Thomas. Thomas has got to know. And why? Well, because he's someone who really cares about following Jesus. You don't ask that question about the way unless you're really serious about going where Jesus wants you to go. And so Thomas cuts in and he asks the question. And the lovely thing is that Jesus doesn't chastise him for his interruption, but instead Thomas's question gives Jesus a wonderful opportunity to say what he, Jesus, is, that he is the way and the truth and the life. Imagine if Thomas had never asked that question. We might never have had this beautiful, most important statement about who Jesus is and about our identity in Christ. I am the way, Jesus says. If you're looking for the way to go, follow me. Look to me. I am the truth. If you want to know what you can really put your faith in, who you can trust, Look to me, the one upon whom you can find your life. I am the life. If you're tired of travelling the road of darkness and self-destruction, look to me and I will give you life in all its fullness. No one is beyond my reach and power to see it. And so you see, asking searching questions is important. It's important to our faith. We shouldn't be afraid to ask them, just like Thomas wasn't afraid to ask questions. Questions that fed his faith and maybe even raised more questions. Thomas had the kind of robust faith that allowed him to ask those questions. There's room. There's room for people like Thomas in Christ's kingdom. There's room in church for people who ask questions. 
The second little glimpse of Thomas and John's Gospel, uh, not following in chronological order, but going back a wee bit further to when Jesus was with his disciples and news came that Lazarus was sick, John chapter 11. Jesus said to them, let's go back to Judea, to Lazarus and his family. And we read that the disciples were alarmed at this. It's too dangerous, teacher, they said. A short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you there. And we read then that Jesus delays a little, somewhat confusingly. And uh, after a while, he tells them very plainly that Lazarus had already died, but says that now they should go back to Judea. And then someone out of the twelve spoke up and said, let's go. Let's go that we also may die along with him. Who was it? Thomas. A very courageous Thomas, someone who showed bravery when all the rest were bound by fear, saying, don't go there. Thomas is the one who says, let's go. So you see, there's good reason to assume that Thomas might be the only one brave enough to be out there searching in the streets, putting himself in the way of danger, looking for Jesus, who he has heard is alive. But he needs to see him. Not so much a doubting Thomas, but a fearless, courageous, passionate, zealous Thomas. The third little snapshot that we have of Thomas is not from the Gospels, but from church, uh, church tradition. And tradition has it that Thomas was the only disciple to take the Gospel outside of the Roman Empire. When the apostles all travelled to different parts of the empire, they established churches wherever they went. And Thomas, it seems, if the tradition is to be, to be believed, and it's a very long tradition held by the Eastern Church, Thomas travelled further than anybody else in bringing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ into Persia and on to the peoples of southern India. There's still an ancient denomination of the Christian church there today that bears his name. Now that would, that would fit, wouldn't it, with the Thomas who says, let's go. Let's go to Judea, Judea even if it means death. Here's someone who's prepared to go and he's prepared to sacrifice and suffer for the sake of the gospel. He's the one who asked, I don't know the way, but I want to know so I can go there, so I can follow. He's the one who is out there looking for Jesus, wanting to find him, and he won't stop until he has. So imagine his disappointment then when he realised that he had missed out, when he realised that what he so longed for in his heart, what he so much needed to see for himself, his risen Lord, he missed out on. But of course, God has a purpose in everything. For my sake and for your sake, Jesus, one week later, appears in the same room again, and this time Thomas is there. This time it's for Thomas that he speaks his words of peace, that peace that was promised by Jesus before his death. 
now the promise being fulfilled. The risen Jesus giving us his peace. And he says to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Or in the original language, don't be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas receives what he needs. It's simple. It doesn't answer all his questions, but it's enough just to have this encounter with the living Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, for himself. Enough to keep believing. Enough to cause Thomas to utter the most most faith-filled statement of the Gospels, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God. This is the risen Jesus that Thomas needed to see. Of all the ways in, in his mind that he could have pictured the risen Jesus, maybe as somebody uh, glorious and perfect in appearance, shining like lightning, uh, like we, we see and like we read of in other instances in the Gospels. That's not what Thomas needed to see. What Thomas needed to see were the, the nail wounds in Jesus' hands, the split in his side. He needed to see that this is the Jesus that suffered the depths of human pain and suffering. Otherwise, there was no point. Unless I see, he's saying, unless I see the Jesus who goes right to the heart of human suffering, taking it upon himself. That's the Jesus that is really worth following. The Jesus who is worthy of Thomas's faith. And the Jesus who is worthy of our faith. Thomas's testimony was written for you so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Amen. Let us now with one heart and mind bring to God our prayers for our world at this time and our prayers for others. Let's pray. Lord, we pray for the world, asking that you would intervene, not just in Ireland, but in every country and among all peoples touched by the coronavirus pandemic. We particularly remember those in poor countries with no health service, and very poor, inadequate facilities. We pray that governments would act quickly to take measures to reduce the spread and to lessen its impact. We pray for progress and global cooperation to achieve greater understanding of how to slow this pandemic. We pray for the sharing of medical supplies and protective equipment, as well as scientific research and finding a vaccine. Lord, let there be a coming together of hearts and minds and nations in this fight against the coronavirus. We pray, Lord, for our own health service here and we ask for wisdom for key decision makers who have to make careful choices 
about the allocation of resources. We pray for the many in the healthcare system who have been redeployed, that they would quickly fit in to their new roles, different roles, and build good relationships with new colleagues. We pray for frontline medical staff and the many others who support their work of caring in the background. We pray, Lord, that you would keep them safe and well, able to use the gifts that you've given them while, while under increasing stress and pressure. And we pray today for care homes, including those run by the Presbyterian Church in Ireland. We ask, Lord, that you might keep them infection-free, give to staff energy and to residents a sense of calm. And we pray too for reassurance for families of loved ones in this period when they cannot visit. We thank you, Lord, for, for those who have volunteered to offer extra support in care homes. And we pray that you will use and bless their gifts and skills to support the work of caring for the most frail and vulnerable in society. Lord, we want to pray too today for our young people and especially those who have had news this week of how their GCSC and A-level grades will be awarded. We remember too those planning to go to university in the autumn or those moving into P7 and the question of the, the transfer test. And for those moving up to secondary school, Lord, help them not to be anxious, but to trust in you to watch over them and to care for them and to guide them. We cast all our worries upon you because you care for us. We pray for those who've been bereaved in the past week that you would give to them your comfort and strength. And at this time when it's difficult for us to draw close and to offer support and comfort to one another, we pray, Lord, that you would be especially near to those who mourn. And for those who are anxious, for those who find it difficult to sleep at the moment, those afflicted by the intrusion of dark thoughts and dreams, those who are feeling alone and isolated. Lord, come and give your peace. And now may the peace of God, which is beyond all understanding, guard your hearts and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. And the blessing of God, Almighty Father, Son and Holy Spirit, be upon you, and remain with you, this day and forevermore. Amen.